greetings and welcome to another different church podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. It is 11.54 p.m. on Sunday night. Uh, today was uh, just one of those days at church that just felt really special. Um, this was maybe, uh, I don't know, the seventh or so time that Hannah hasn't spoken on a Sunday. Um, one of the things I, I think is really cool about her is she goes out of her way to tell us that she doesn't know everything and she really wants different voices to be on stage um, speaking to us. And today was one of those days. So shout out to Hannah for being smart and also for uh, having a nice couple day getaway with Josiah and baby Nova. Uh, totally deserved. We missed you and can't wait to see you next week. And while she was gone, we had one of our very own Mr. Isaac Pacino speak on stage, and it was great. Uh, we've been, you know, kind of hyping him up for a couple weeks. Uh, anytime anybody from our church, um, you know, has the uh, courage, uh, the audacity, uh, whatever words you want to put behind it to get up on stage uh, and to just share something that's on their heart. Uh, that is super duper important to me. And so I just want to say thank you to everybody who was there today because we had a great crowd and I was just really, really hoping that we would have a good crowd to support Isaac. Uh, candidly, if you didn't know, he was like a little nervous. Uh, honestly, I, I couldn't really tell. The only reason I know is because he told me ahead of time, uh, but he did such a great job. So Isaac, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for putting yourself out there and uh, getting up on stage. Uh, before we get to him, a couple of quick announcements. Actually, I guess there's really just one announcement right now, and it is quickly approaching Christmas season. And so we are collecting toys for Reach St. Pete. It's an organization that we've worked with before, we've uh, donated money to, we've been a part of a couple of um, events where they uh, feed people who could use some meals, uh, well, we are collecting toys for them to give uh, to kids who don't have toys for Christmas. Uh, so please bring some toys in on Sunday. Uh, we can collect them up until, I believe, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So you've got uh, two or three weeks to bring some toys in. We would love to drop off a nice stash to reach St. Pete for some kiddos to have an awesome Christmas. Okay, um, so... You're going to hear at the beginning of Isaac's message, he talks about one of the things that kind of first caught his attention at different church uh, before he even attended was the names of the podcast episodes. I like to give little punny names. Um, and so I, I feel like he really put a lot of pressure on me to be funny. And I, I can't stand up to the pressure. I'm not even going to try and be funny. I'm going to go the other way. Uh, today was just such a cool day that I'm going to go sentimental. Uh, Isaac presented a really great message, and he even requested a specific song to be played at the end of it called Give Us Your Heart. And honestly, I feel like what Isaac did was get up there and kind of share his heart. So today's podcast episode is called Give Us Isaac's Heart. Uh, and here he goes. Uh, we did a little fun intro for him, which you're going to hear now. And if you stick around to the very end of the message, you'll get to hear the band play Give Us Your Heart. You may wonder why the band is still up on stage. That's because uh, our guest speaker today is um, a big nerd, just like Hannah. Um, we apparently only let big dorks on this stage, so 
Thanks, guys. So I thought it would be kind of fun to give him like a little bit of like walk-up music. So can we get hype here and give it up for Isaac? Take it away, band. Wow, that was unexpected. Thank you guys, you guys rock. Wow, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> Thank you so much, that was an unexpected slash awesome intro. Thank you, Jared, for that idea. I, I wasn't expecting the Star Wars, the Emperor entrance. <laughs> okay, so wow, I'm up here. I can honestly, I cannot believe I'm up here preaching today. It's like surreal. Um, but I'm really thankful uh, for this opportunity. Um, so my name is Isaac Bacino. I'm from Venezuela. I moved, I actually fled my home country with my two parents and my little brother. We had to start back from the beginning, back to square one and on every aspect of our lives, new culture, new language. That was the biggest. And that was my main Maybe a reason I was a little hesitant whether to say yes or no and preach here. But I said, I've studied English for so long, I'm just going to do it. So I pat myself on the back and say, I'm going to do it. Um, so I've been in the state for almost seven years. And five years and a half later, I found different church. And again, I'm so thankful. And this is great. Uh, this is so awesome. Uh, so one of the things that really got my attention before I decided to attend different church officially to make it my church, it was Jared's unique and sometimes hilarious titles on the podcast. <laughs> I would see something like Fishing on the Sea. I was like, okay, what is this about? Jonah? Moses? And then I would hear, listen to the podcast and then, oh, that makes sense. Last week I saw Ruth or Dare. I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> of course, I came last week, so I knew, I knew it already. But before coming uh, to different church officially, that was one of the main things that really got my attention. So when Hannah asked me if I wanted to preach for today, the first thought that came to my mind was, what's going to be Jared's idea for my message? And I didn't even know what I would be talking about. So I'm really looking forward to that. Jared, if you decide to put this in the podcast, bring up something different from the title I'm going to give you. Okay, <laughs> Okay. so talking about titles or named for a message on a Sunday, I didn't really know how to name it or call it, so I decided just to pick the, the main idea of what I prepared, and I decided to call it an objective love and faith. And I know that being objective or objectivity and faith can be very far from each other as concepts, if we look up in, in, if we go in Google or in your dictionaries and you look up the definition, it says to be objective of a person or their judgment not influenced by personal feelings or opinions um, in considering and representing facts. So when you're objective, no personal feelings or your opinions are involved. When it comes to faith, 
Where do you think it's the best place to find a definition of faith? Of course, in the Bible. The Bible actually gives us a, a definition, a concept of what faith is. And we can find it in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1. And I'm going to read it. It says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So faith, uh, being sure of what we hope for. I'm sure this is going to happen. I cannot, I don't know how to prove it, but I'm sure it will happen. And certain of what we do not see, I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, we believe in God. We cannot prove it physically, but we're certain that's faith. We believe it's true. So we're certain that even if we don't, we don't see it, we still believe it. So when we're objective, we need to be unbiased. We need to know what we're saying. So doing some research will definitely help us be more objective. And usually when we're objective, we, uh, it helps us to find truth. For example, when we remove our own biased thoughts um, about what we've been told about God, the Bible, and, or life in general, when we remove that a little bit and we're objective, we, we usually find, find more truthful approaches to those things. But when it comes to faith, it, it's about our dearest beliefs. Certainty and facts are purely based on beliefs and interpretations of Scripture for us Christians. So again, we can see that these two approaches or, or concepts are superposed to each other. And it's very hard to match them together. However, and this is a big however, there was one person who was able to combine or to match these two opposing ideas into one. And guess who it was? Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was very objective um, when approaching faith and scripture in a variety of situations in the New Testament. However, there's one particular part that I'm going to use today, and I think this is one of the greatest examples that Jesus gave, gave us. Um, this passage um, will be the cornerstone of today's message. We're going to use this example and apply it to different situations uh, that have been very difficult throughout history and even today. Okay, so we can find this passage in the New Testament in the book of Luke chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. We don't have the screen in the back, so bear with me here. Um, this is a mini story within another big story, and it's usually titled Jesus Heals on the Sabbath. And if you don't know what the Sabbath is, it actually means Saturday. So Sabbath equals Saturday. And Saturdays were a sacred day for the Jews. Actually, Jews were not allowed or permitted to work at all. Uh, even helping someone was considered labor, therefore an abomination against Yahweh, against God. So now that you have the context of what Sabbath is, let's go ahead and read this portion. And it says, one Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were this, like a tribe of Jews who were very strict with the law and with their religious uh, systems and everything. So Jesus went to one of their houses, one of the leaders of the Pharisees, and people were watching him very closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were um, swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the religious law. Um, hey, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? 
Um, when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, and this is the key part. This, this is going to be the, the piece that we're going to use today. Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? This is Jesus asking them. If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. And it says again, they could not answer because a few verses before, a similar situation had just happened where Jesus did something good for another person on the Sabbath and he was immediately judged because he did something he was not supposed to do on the Sabbath. Apparently, the Bible of their times, as I like to call the Torah, the Torah is this book that they used before because the Bible that we have today didn't exist in those times. So they have the Torah, which is the first five books of the, of the Bible that we have today. So apparently, according to the Bible of their times, the Torah, it, it was very clear. God himself had given them this specific law that, start, that stated they couldn't do anything but to rest on Saturdays. However, we had Jesus hundreds of years later. We got hot, uh, God in the form of Jesus bringing a mind-blowing, for the Jews, different approach. Jesus was being objective about this super important law in Scripture. Jesus, Jesus was bringing a completely new approach, a more humane point of view. But he was using an extra ingredient that was vital and continues to be vital today. And it was compassion and love. When we are trying to be objective about our faith, our beliefs, and we use reasoning and common sense, but we don't add compassion and love, we're always going to have a bland result. That's why I love the example that Jesus gave them. He said, if your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Here Jesus is making them think, making them use common sense and also compassion and love. We're talking about your son, your cow. Apparently cows were the pets in those times. Uh, we have cats and dogs today. So let's put an example today. Let's pretend that we're still using the same law it applies today. We're still continue to follow those rules that are very clear on, on the Torah and the, on the New and the Old Testament. And uh, let's pretend that if I want to picture yourself and you're walking with your son or with your husband or with your partner, with a friend, even in a stranger next to you. And you're walking here on St. Pete. And then a big hole on the ground appears and that person falls inside and breaks a leg. It's suffering. It's dark, it's cold, but it's Saturday. And then you are a committed Christian, or a Jew, but let's say we're committed Christians, and that person is suffering. And if it's your, your, your son or your husband or whatever, a person you love, you're going to suffer too because you're seeing them suffer. You want to do something. You just can reach your hand and help them. That makes sense, right? So that's the approach that Jesus was bringing to them. They, they were, they, he was making them think about that. Anytime love, compassion, and scripture seem to be pulling in opposite directions, that's a pretty big red flag that something somewhere is going horribly wrong. And I'm going to repeat this again because I, I, I think this is very important. 
Anytime love, compassion, and scripture seem to be pulling in opposite directions, that's a pretty big red flag, that something somewhere is going horribly wrong. And I'm saying this because history has showed us that that's a red flag we cannot ignore, especially if we call ourselves Christians. Okay, now we're going to travel all the way back in time, and we're going to see some examples when an objective and loving faith was necessary. Just like the example that Jesus gave to the Pharisees in order to bring change and true freedom. The topic, number one, it's a very hard one, it's slavery. Not just in the United States, but also in South America from where I come from and countries in Europe. Um, slavery was a hot topic not too long ago. And it was not only a hard topic in society, but in church, in the Christian church. And it really saddens me to know that Christians were one of the main forces that defended and promoted slavery throughout the American continent, north and south. And just as the Pharisees used the, the Torah in their times, this uh, group of Christians were using the Bible that we know today to promote and defend slavery. And it's also a huge relief to know that there were also other Christians who instinctively knew that something was terribly wrong with that approach. And I like to call that instinct the Holy Spirit. I do believe it was the Holy Spirit moving, uh, moving in them inside like, hey, there's, something has to be wrong because we see the, the fruits of that approach. We see the suffering, death, desperation. Um, there was a monumental division on this topic, not just in society again, but in the church. The church had a lot of influence in society by then. And this division was so deep. This division was so deep that there were bloody wars across the continent. Death, suffering, people mourning their loved ones. It was a horrible time for humanity. I believe, especially, of course, slaves. But in the end, and this is the relief, the relief part, um, in the end, what was right prevailed. The Bible was used in such an evil way. They literally quoted uh, verses from it to torture slaves, to torture people. I can picture them now saying, oh, uh, I wouldn't like to have you as my slave, but the Bible, it's the Bible, it's not me. It's here. And yes, if we read the Bible uh, without being objective, if we read the Bible without love, if we read the Bible without compassion, if we read the Bible without research, without a Christ-like point of view, we're always going to end up doing something wrong. There are some passages. Uh, I knew about some of them, not all of them. Uh, but there are some passages that are very clear, yes. The Bible have this passage, has these passages. Leviticus 25, verses 46 to, 44 to 46 says, uh, it shows the rules on how you're going to buy or own another person as slave. 1 Peter, New Testament, chapter 2, verse 18. It says, slaves, submit to your masters. Ephesians 6, 5 to 8. Slaves, obey your masters as Christ. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 22, slave, obey your masters in everything. Timothy, Timothy 6, 1 to 2, explicitly mentions Christian uh, 
masters, slavers. Uh, Titus, I think in English it's Titus. In English it's Tito, it's Titus, I think, right? Titus uh, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, uh, it, teach, it teaches slaves to be subject to their masters. And then in Ephesians and Colossians, we have a nice uh, list on how to treat your slaves respectfully. So apparently the Bible was definitely pro-slavery. Yes, but these passages that exist in the Bible, we know today, we understand today that there wasn't a specific cultural context from ancient times when slavery was a normal part in society. And that ended up in the Bible because the Bible was written in those times. Not that the Bible is evil. We need to be mature enough, and we are now. We understand that we don't understand the context on why that is in the Bible. And thank God the Holy Spirit has moved, moved us forward. We have progressed and become more like Christ. Even though that may contradict the literal interpretation of Scripture. But hey, that's what Jesus did. So let's keep doing it. Jesus was uh, bringing a completely different approach in those times to that, in that specific situation. He did it a bunch of times. But that's my favorite part. That's why I picked it as, a, as the example. So if Jesus did it and the result was great, we can keep doing it today. And thanks to that mindset, slavery was abolished. Topic number two, women in church. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Just as with um, slavery, there is a big amount of verses and stories in the Bible where, uh, where we see women shown as basically objects with lesser value and cr a crazy number of restrictions and mistreatment. We have the opposite of, to that as well, but we have this kind of negative connotations as well. But again, the result of such approach was toxic and harmful, harmful to women. And thank God for those who spoke up and helped to bring change. Like, come on, we got Hannah. <laughs> we got Guyana. Um, we wouldn't have them if it wasn't because of a more objective, loving, and compassionate approach to our faith. Our society is now enjoying the fool, the fool and amazing, fool, it's, it's when you're like crazy, right? Fool, it's fool, I don't know. <laughs> Never mind, forget my mind. Uh, so we're now enjoying the full potential and the amazing uh, things that women can bring to society today. And in church, of course. Again, we have Hannah, we have so many women in here. And the final topic, and this is maybe the most difficult and hard uh, of our times, it's the inclusion and full affirmation of LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters in the church. The harm that has been done to the queer community by most church congregations has been devastating. And after my personal coming out process, after 27 years of uh, denying that truth of myself, I started to research about this. And I was shocked and deeply hurt when I learned the statistics. Suicide rates are the highest among LGBTQ plus Christians. I've heard and known of thousands of gay people whose faith has been obliterated completely. 
Drug addiction rates are alarmingly high. Depression, people giving in to promiscuity. Families destroyed because of the lies and the toxic homophobic and full prejudice that gets into these interpretations of scripture about this topic. But the time to say enough is it's now to this. We have to say ba enough, basta in Spanish. And we're an example of that today. And the band can start coming up here. Um, we are today, we definitely are living in the middle of this new change that is happening in the church as a whole. We're actually making history and we're living it today at this place about this topic. And just like the Christians who were against slavery and, re and resisted and continued to speak up with love, with compassion, and with an objective view on Scripture, just like Jesus did, just like the example he gave to the Pharisees thousands of years ago, we're going to face resistance, but we must continue. Um, doing the right thing, it's hard, and it, it, it can be very painful. And it also can take uh, a lot of time. But in the end, the loving will of God will always prevail. Because inclusion and affirmation of we uh, queer people, it's the will of God. And just as Romans 8.31 says, um, if God is with us, who can be against us? However, and this is another big however, we still must be vigilant with ourselves because, yes, we understand we are inclusive and affirming. Our pastor is an extraordinary woman and she's amazing. Uh, today, you have a gay guy talking to you, preaching from a stage. And all of those things are great and are good. But we also have to be loving and compassionate with those who do, we disagree with. And it is our responsibility to show them a better way. And that's also through love and example. We must continue to ask Jesus to give us his heart. So we can see the other, the neighbor, the one that we think it's different, the way he did. The way he did, he did see um, his enemies, even the people who crucified him and make him suffer. Because I personally think at the end that's what it means to be Christian. Yes, boundaries and limits to those people are important. Yes, they are. But even in the middle of our boundaries, we're all called to love, to show, and to proclaim the love of God. Um, I'm going to ask you now to stand up and to meditate in the next song. I asked Jared if the band could play it. And, and I think it's a it has a beautiful lyrics. So I invite you to meditate in, in, in the lyrics. And I'm going to end up with a quote that I found uh, two days ago. This wasn't part of, of the message. Okay? Uh, and it says, I just loved it. It says, those we disagree with are created in God's image. Our opinions are not. Those with different theology are created in God's image. Our theology is not. Our enemies are created in God's image. Our politics are not. How we love people reveals the kind of God we claim to worship. And I'm going to add, Amen. <laughs> Can we like give it up for Isaac right now?
Can we please? Thank you. 